Welcome to Destiny Church Sermon of the Week. We hope you enjoy this message by Pastor Eric Smith. For more information about this podcast and other resources, visit DestinyDayton.com. I'm going to ask you, if you would, let's open our Bibles to Acts chapter 16. You don't have to stand today because we're just going to kind of take this story a little at a time, right? I won't, unless you just want to stand, I don't know. That didn't get a whole lot of pushback. So I just stay seated. It's fine. <laughs> and we've been standing a whole time today. All right. Uh, so we're in this series on, on rarefied faith. And I want to touch another Bible story today that is, to me, it's uh, so impactful. A couple weeks ago, we talked about the Apostle Peter and the faith that is required to do something great for God, to do something unknown or unheard of for God, and the the faith that that God wants to put inside of us to do great things for Him. Last week we talked about David and how it requires great faith. If we're going to get great victory over the Goliaths in our lives, there's a a measure of faith that is required to overcome things that uh, are seemingly scary and uh, have us at bay. And and, and that just a powerful uh, story of David and his victory over Goliath. Today I want to look at uh, another great person of faith, and that's the Apostle Paul. And Silas, I can't leave Silas out. He was right in there. I don't want to. I don't want to shortchange him at all. And I want to talk about faith today that sustains when things don't go the way you think they should have gone. Because I would argue many times in life, and and considering you know as we as we weigh our lives and we we see the survey the landscape, if you will, of uh, of culture and and of the church today is. You see a lot of people who get some steam to start, but they don't, for whatever reason, finish the race. I love the vision that Lacey shared. I feel that's so appropriate with the Lord's message that He's given to us about finishing strong and run the race. And, and I, you know, obviously, uh, you can look at me and tell I don't run a lot, um, but I've done a little bit of running in my life. I've done one 5K, right? Nearly died doing it, but I, I overcame. Um, but... I didn't really nearly die. I just felt that way. But in some of the reading I've done, and those of you that do distance run or have d- done distance run, and by distance I mean longer from you know than the distance from your couch to your refrigerator. I'm talking you know distance, couple of three, four, five, six, ten miles, twenty miles. I'm told that there is a wall that you will hit in the middle of a distance that you are running, and where. Everything in your body says, stop running, quit, give up. And I remember when I ran my single 5K feet, man, I felt that running a mile. I'm like, oh, is that, you know, but I remember that feeling a little bit where it's like, man, I've gone so far and I don't know if I can make it. And I've, I've read and heard runners say, yeah, I get this feeling. Lacey's nodding at me because she runs a lot. You get that feeling like, oh, I don't know if I could go. But they say if you can push through that feeling... On the other side of that feeling, it's like some sort of refreshment where you feel like, I can make this. I can do it. Amen. Amen. And I believe the natural realm is a mirror of the spiritual realm. 
We see that in Scripture. We see the words of Jesus, right? He said, you know, if you say you love God but hate your brother, you're a liar. See, something in the spiritual, something in the natural, they're connected. There is a connection between what we live out in the flesh and see with spiritual things most often. Here's another example, marriage, right? Jesus said, Jesus, of course, God gave us marriage, and then they give us marriage as the example of our union with Christ. So we see, again, a natural thing connecting to a spiritual reality. And I believe that we see see very similar in this idea of faith to sustain when things don't go the way we want them to, when things don't turn out the way we wanted to, when things don't happen the way we anticipated. You know, we weren't counting on our life looking the way it does today. It wasn't what we dreamed when we were kids or teenagers. And we walk through something unexpected and the road becomes tough and the road becomes a grind and you feel like, I don't know if I can do this. I wanted to say in that moment, I believe that it could be the great faith possible to push through that. And I think sometimes, especially in the Pentecostal charismatic circles, when we talk about great faith, you know, we're talking about pulling a miracle. We want to see cancer healed. And certainly that requires faith. And, and, and I get that and I understand that. Or, or we think about some financial supply. And certainly God wants to supply your finances. And that's certainly an area we can have faith in. But today I've read this story. This past week I've read this story. And what just hit my heart is just all the things that we go through. And we were expecting, watch this, we we're expecting this. But this came. And in that moment, we must ask ourselves, am I still going to serve the Lord? Is God still great? Is he still on the throne? It's easy to say God is great when I just signed, you know, uh, uh, re-up the new bonus, uh, right? Uh, I got a free agency signing bonus for $10 million a year. You got the guys tweeting out, God is good. <laughs> he certainly is. Come on. God is good. Thank God for his blessing. Yes, that, that's a tremendous blessing. But how about when things don't go so swimmingly for us? And I read in Acts 16, and I want to share a few thoughts with you today. And I just want, we're going to just throughout this, just declare that God is going to give us great faith to overcome whatever comes our way. Amen. I'm not saying that that's coming your way, although it's probably coming your way. Because that's life. If someone told you this was going to be easy, they misled you horribly. I'm not down with that. Come give your life to Jesus and everything's going to be perfect from now on. It's going to be just the best, smoothest ride you've ever had. Come on. Said, said, hopefully no preacher ever. But Paul and his team were traveling and they were trying to go to Asia. They were trying to go into Asian territory and the Holy Spirit specifically said, don't go there and preach the gospel. And they tried to turn and go another way. And the Holy Spirit said, this isn't the place either. And the Bible tells us in Acts 16 that in the middle of the night, sleeping on a ship, which is, that's a sermon in and of itself. He has a vision of a man. And somehow in this vision, he knew the man was from Macedonia. And and the man, you know, articulates these things to him that, hey, come over here and help us. We need you in Macedonia. So Paul gets up the next morning. He shares his vision with his his friend Silas. Luke is believed to be joining him at this point, who is the, the writer of the gospel or the book of Acts and the gospel of Luke. 
And they said that they all decided that this was a call from God to go to Macedonia. This is pretty vivid. This is a dream. This is, this is a vision where I feel like this is what God is calling us to do. And they all were on board. No pun intended with that. But they all were on board with, with that. Oh, tough crowd, I see. Okay. <laughs> so Acts chapter 16, verse 11, it says, We put out to sea from Troas and sailed a straight course to Samothrace. And the next day to Neapolis, and from there to Philippi, which is the leading city in the district of Macedonia. So Macedonia is a geographical region. The city of Philippi would be the leading city in that region, just what he said. At that time, anyway. And it was a Roman colony, all right? So Rome, when it conquered territory, it would, you guys know this story, they'd send people in to teach them how to be Romans, Right. That's kind of the, the 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 genesis of the word apostle. They were sent to teach people how to live back in, in, in back, you know, according to the to the capital, according to the Caesar and how, you know. And so we, we have that term in 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 the spiritual realm or in, in the church realm, I should say, where apostles are ones that are sent to train people to how to reflect heaven. Right. So this was a Roman. Colony. And Luke records here, he says, we stayed. This is why we know Luke was with them, because now it's we, (laughs) right? It's not they, it's we. We stayed in this city for some days. And on the Sabbath, we went outside the city gate to the side of the river where we thought there would be a place of prayer. And we sat down and began to speak to the women who had assembled there. These women would have been Jewish women, all right? And a woman named Lydia, a dealer in purple cloth from the city of Thyatira, a God-fearing woman, listened to us. And the Lord opened her heart to respond to what Paul was saying. And after her and her household were baptized, she urged us, if you consider me to be a believer in the Lord, come and stay at my house. So we see here they were in the city of Philippi for a number of days. Right. It's an inexact several. We don't know how many, but they landed. They got there. They obviously didn't, you know, didn't connect with a guy in the vision that that was just maybe maybe an angelic figure. I don't know. But they were walking around. They were trying to figure out what to do. They had been called here by. Come on, you follow me. They'd been called here and they were walking around and suddenly they decide, hey, let's go down by the river. We're going to do some prayer. And they encountered some Jewish ladies and they begin to share the gospel with them. And one lady of all the people, the Bible says, maybe others did. We don't know. But one lady had the Bible says the Lord opened her heart to the gospel. Could you imagine having a vivid vision and a, vi- and a vivid calling and you go there and absolutely nothing happens for several days and then once you finally get a result, it's just like one person finally gets saved. I want you to see, and I think this is an important point to start with, that rarefied faith does not give up after few, if any, results are happening. 
I know sometimes we obviously in, in human structures and plans and strategies, you know, if we if, if something's not scaling correctly and you're in the business realm, right, and, and you're not scaling correctly and it's not going good, we'd say we shut it down. We're going to do something different. We need a change of ownership. We need a change of management. But that's often exactly how things work in the kingdom of God. You will plow. You will work hard and you may see little or nothing for a period of time. That's why one of the best examples of the kingdom of God that Jesus repeatedly gave to an agrarian culture, they were a bunch of farmers, right, was planting seed in the soil. You plant it, you water it, and nothing happens for a while. And all of a sudden, you got a little sprout. Like, I'm supposed to feed my family that little sprout. And you wait, and you water it, and you work it. And so this kingdom mentality is, I am going to sustain even if there's few or any results. Even if things don't go like I think they were, right? I thought maybe this guy that I saw in the vision, we were looking for him. We were waiting for him to pop up and say, here, I got a thousand hungry souls waiting for you to hear the gospel. He didn't show up. He didn't show up when they landed. I mean, if it had been me, honestly, I would have expected after having that vivid of a dream or a vision that people would have come running and they would have fallen on our knees and they'd have said, what must I do to be saved, brother? Well, that actually happens in this story. But only after things get much, much worse. More on that in a minute. But I think it's ironic in ministry circles Right. Pastors, we, we talk about, you know, what must I do to be saved? We use that phrase and we often use that phrase to sort of illustrate how easy or how powerful the ministry was that we just did. Or maybe use it a little bit humorous idea as the ministry did not go that easily. It did not. It wasn't received well. And like, well, it wasn't like people were running up and falling on their knees and saying, what must I do to be saved? But there was going to be nothing easy about getting to that point for Paul and Silas. So after several days of nothing, the Bible tells us they lead Lydia to the Lord. He, they, they go to her house, lead her household to the Lord, so they have may, maybe a family, right? And the Bible says, I, I love this phrase, and I highlight it when I, when I read it, is that the Lord opened her heart to the gospel that Paul preached about Jesus. There's something we can learn here. I want you to catch this side note number one, right? Side note number one here. If someone is going to get genuinely saved, it will only be because the Spirit of God opens their heart to the gospel. If you're giving them the gospel and they're not getting saved, hear me, you're not doing anything wrong. Did you all hear that? So I think we can put a lot of guilt and a lot of shame on us. Well, I told them about Jesus and they weren't interested. I must be doing something wrong. No, 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 no. It is a miracle of God when someone gives their heart to Jesus Christ. Not in the sense of a healing miracle, but it's a it's a, it's in the spirit realm where a heart is opened up, where blinders are taken off the eyes. Right? No one ever gets. Hear me. This is so important. No one ever gets genuinely saved because people are nice to them. I heard a Chi Alpha pastor preach this one time or, or say this on a whatever on Facebook. I thought, that, what a powerful statement. No one will ever get saved because we're really nice to them. Now, we should be nice, right? But that's not going to... If they get saved because we're nice, then it, that means the Lord didn't open up their heart. It means, they, they, it means we're their Lord and Saviors now. And, and that's bad news if you're trusting me. 
People will never get saved because the coffee is hot or the bagels are chewy. Getting saved only happens when the Holy Spirit draws that person. That's why you want to know why I tend to push back on the repeat after me prayers. It's, it, it, it's not that someone cannot be saved that way. I just tend to think usually far too few are actually saved that way. But what I want you to see is that when we are in ministry, which is all of us in here, hopefully, there is great pressure, some full-time, some not full-time, but we're all in ministry, amen? If you're in Christ, you're in ministry. There is great pressure to see results. But how many of you know the results aren't up to us? The results are not up to us. The results can be quite I hate to say quite depressing sometimes. I, I've heard stories of missionaries. They go to different fields and different places and different countries, and it's, it's hard. It's hard to break through. And they pray and they fast, and it's like after you know, a few years, I got one soul saved, and, and they keep plowing through. And, and those people are my heroes. They, they just keep plowing through, and they keep you know, tilling the hard ground and keep praying. But please understand, I want to tell you, if we are managing our expectations with human measurements, we're going to be disappointed sometimes with the results we see. This is why I want to tell you, God may call you to do something and the results aren't what you expected. You may have had a Macedonian vision. You thought you, once you showed up on the scene, it'd be Katie bar the door, as my dad used to say. And it'd be, it'd be like, that'd be like something really good. Like, you know, people are, yeah, they're coming in like big time. Katie bar the door. The result, but it's often not like that. I say that because not that it can happen or doesn't happen, but I want to tell you this is where the genuineness of your faith is really tested. Hello? This is where the character and the growth in God will really happen. Will you continue in the call that you have been placed upon with the Lord Jesus Christ that he put on your life? Or will you continue to be obedient to God in the face of the opposite results of what you expected happening? See, in those moments when it gets tough to serve the Lord and to be genuine before the Lord and do what God has called it, no matter how small or, or simple you think it is, but no matter how simple or how big, we got to ask ourselves, no matter what the result has been, I may have been embarrassed. I may have fell on my face. The results weren't what I was hoping for. The question we ask ourselves, are we still going to do what God has told us to do? See, that's rarefied faith. We're going to see it uh, exponentially grow here in a minute. You know, we try to witness to a Jewish person. I don't know if you've ever tried to do that. It, it, it's difficult. Not impossible. Witness to a homosexual. A transgender. And we don't see a quick result. And we start questioning our approach. And we start looking for some kind of strategy to break down the walls. Let me give you the only biblical strategy available. Give them the gospel. There it is. Delivered in love. Delivered clearly. Delivered passionately. Delivered fervently. But delivered in the love of God. And giving people the gospel is the only hope they have. The Bible tells us that the gospel is man's only hope. It's mankind's only salvation. See, Jesus Christ is not just a way. He is the only way. You all know that already. 
little or no results will not deter great faith. Say this with me. I will show great faith. No matter what my results are. I will keep going forward. For Jesus Christ. I tell you, the army of God can borrow the quote from the French revolutionary and statesman Charles Alexander de Cologne. He's the one that said, the difficult we do immediately, the impossible takes just a little bit longer. I think the U.S. Army borrowed that quote from him and uses that as a recruiting slogan today. The difficult kingdom of God, hear me, the difficult we'll do now. Impossible may take a little longer, but here's one thing for sure. We are not going to give up. Amen. Some of you got people in your life. They're bound by some of the things and some of the sin that I just mentioned. I want to encourage you this morning. Do not give up. Some of you have been praying for people with cancer. You've been praying for people with big diseases that it's like, wow, if God doesn't intervene, there's no hope. I want to tell you, do not give up. Some of you up against battles, you say, man, I've been praying and praying. I prayed for five years, 10 years, 20 years, 30 years, and I haven't seen a result. I want to encourage you with all my heart. Do not give up because faith. Faith is a victory that will overcome this world. Amen. Secondly, rarefied faith does not give up easily, but rarefied faith will also confront evil with the gospel, no matter what the odds are. What's this? I don't become a turtle when things get a little shaky around me. Right? Well, people aren't going to like that message now. No, they don't. No, there, there's elements in this country that would crucify you. We'll give you an example. Be a former homosexual that gave your life to Jesus and you've been transformed and get in a public forum and say... I got saved, Jesus changed my life, and I, I no longer am a homosexual. You think the, I've known some of those people. You think they have it easy? The left comes at them with claws and clenched fists. They hate them. But here's the thing. Jesus has called us to show great faith in the fact that we confront evil no matter who's against us or for us. I take you back to Acts. Look at, open your Bible again. So I'm saying we're just going to refer to this story. So Paul and Silas, right? We're in verse 16 now. Acts 16, 16. They had led Lydia and her household to the Lord. They baptized him. It was great. They suddenly had a place to stay. Now, the Bible says, verse 16, notice there was more to do. Evidently, they didn't, they didn't feel like this is why God had us here. If this is why, now, see, here's the thing. If some of us say, okay, well, there's the person saved. There's the household saved. Let's get back on that ship and let's head back. Because th- th- that's, that's exactly what they did not do. And I, I submit to you this morning, the reason why is the Holy Spirit was saying, there's more. We're happy for Lydia. She played a role in in this thing, but there's more. There's more to the reason why you're here than the victories we've had. This is another little side note for us. Not to think 
past victories or even current victories are the end of the story. God has more victories for you to win. If God's put a call on your life, if you're doing something for God, if you're just trying to live for God, there is more that he has for you to do. There are people that are elderly and they think, well, I've lived my life and, I, and, and I've, you know, I've, I've shared this with several folks in that boat. And I say, listen, as long as you have breath in your lungs, God has something for you to do. Don't sit back and say, well, I'm done and I've hit my senior years and it's over and I'm just biding my time. I'm just thinking about how good it used to be in the old days. No, no, no. God wants to use you today. Now, as they were, verse 16, now as they were going to a place of prayer, everybody there? As they're going to a place of prayer, a slave girl met us who had a spirit that enabled her to foretell the future by supernatural means. She brought her owners a great profit by fortune telling. She followed behind Paul and us and kept crying out, These men are servants of the Most High God who are proclaiming to you the way of salvation. Early Christianity was called the way. I love that. I think we should go back to that personally, but are you part of the way? (laughs) She continued to do this for many days. So see this more days pass, right? This is not a boom, boom, boom. It got over three days. We had it all done and conquered. No. She did this for many days. But Paul became greatly annoyed. You see that? And turned and said to the spirit, I command you in the name of Jesus Christ to come out of her. And at once it came out of her. But when her owners saw their hope for profit was gone, you see what people would do. They would get someone like this and either they would fake it, right? Because embedded in this, I don't have time to get into it, but uh, early church fathers said that in, in those times that their ventriloquism was a thing, right? People have been, you know, puppet, ventriloquism. They've been doing that a long time. And so if they didn't have that familiar spirit demon on them, they would pretend because a harbor city, you'd come in, there'd be ship captains, they'd want to know, hey, is it safe to sail? Should I? And they would seek out and they would pay good money to talk to some demon-possessed or somebody faking them, and they would say, hey, uh, is it safe to sail? And so it says when they found out, so this tells you when they were angry when this demon came out, this tells you this girl was genuinely demon-possessed. When they saw their hope for profit was gone, they seized Paul and Silas and drag them into the marketplace before the authorities. To start this little section off, notice what Paul and the others were doing. Did you see that? What were they doing? Well, make you get your Bible today. <laughs> they were going to prayer. Here's another little side note for you today. When you prioritize prayer in your life, you'll begin to do more accidentally for God than you ever will on purpose. That's why the devil does not want you to pray. He wants you to have no part of that. 
If you will prioritize prayer in your life, you will begin to do more. By, they were just on their way to pray. How many times do we see that in the book of Acts? They were on their way to pray at the temple. And oh, here's a guy that's been crippled since birth. Oh, we were on our way. Just find someone else to witness to. And suddenly the same demon-possessed girl that had been following us around, you know, driving us crazy, finally cast it. You know, we, we, but we were headed to pray. And God used him because, you see, prayer life will put you on the pathway to the extraordinary. That's not a point necessarily, but I want you to say that with me. Prayer will put me on the pathway to the extraordinary. It's just a, just a side point, right? Pretty good one, but it's a side point. I will draw to your attention that all, all, A-L-L means all, all people of great faith in history were men and women of prayer. Without exception. Without exception. I think a word, you know, just personal opinion, I think the worst thing a spiritual leader can do is be prayerless. For me, I call that a dereliction of duty. If I do nothing else, I've got to pray. Right? So Luke shares an important happening here that provides a reason why the story goes the way it does, right? We're, we're getting ready to move into the next part of this, and I'm going to wrap up. Paul and Silas, they were obviously being followed and harassed by, uh, to, to some extent, this demon-possessed slave girl who's making a lot of money for her owners. She had a familiar spirit. Some of your Bibles say uh, they use python, and I, I, I can't get into the background of that, but python was a spirit of divination, right? So some people, all those tarot cards, I, Julie and I were at Mardi Gras a couple years, and you see lots of people like this, tarot card readers, fortune tellers. Some of them are fake. Some of them are bogus, right? Uh, some of them are demonic. Some of them have divination spirits on them, right? So Paul and Silas weren't having any of it anymore. And the reason why was the source it was coming from, right? Paul wasn't going to let a demon be a crier for him. Now, here's another little side note for you. I should have had a little thing of side notes, right? Just because someone can read your mail does not mean it's from God. I've seen good people felled by this. Demons can do that also. Demon, I've heard, I've heard stuff like this before. Uh, so, you know, some folks have a friend somewhere that claims to be spiritual or, or something. You know, they hear things and they may even credit God. But you know, they, they'll say things like, you know, I saw you driving a white car today and you were sad. And you say, no way, I had borrowed my mom's white car and I was sad because I went to Starbucks and they closed early again. I, I was really sad. How did you know that? You must be a prophet. So you say, how will I know the difference? Three key things right here. Number one, the fruit in their life. Number two, the character in their life. How they live in. Number three, the purity level in their life. If those three things don't measure up, you can dismiss it as demonic. So they set this girl free from her demonic bondage. And, and then look at verse 19. It says, everybody, are you ready? All right, verse 19. They set this girl from her demonic bondage, and immediately everyone began rejoicing and celebrating the goodness of God. And the multitudes lined up by Saul, Paul, and Silas, asking them for more prayer. 
You would think someone just got set free. Somebody, you see, when your culture has become so perverse and dependent on demonic things, right? No one's going to celebrate. Come on, I just said it. No one's going to celebrate when someone gets free of the thing they got inside of them. You know why? Because they just lost their excuse. Verse 19, when our owners realized that their hope of making money was gone, they seized Paul and Silas and dragged them into the marketplace to to face the authorities. It got worse. The crowd joined in the attack against Paul and Silas. And the magistrates ordered them to be stripped and beaten with rods. Verse 23. And after they had been severely flogged, they were thrown into prison. And the jailer was commanded to guard them carefully. You see, as we stand for Christ and preach the gospel, some people will object. But we must preach anyway. We must confront, listen, church, this is a word for today. We have to confront evil anyway today. Come on, this is from the man right here. For I'm not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes, to the Jew first and the Greek also. For it, in it, is the righteousness of God, is revealed from faith for faith. As it is written, the righteous shall live by faith. Written by a man who had been chewed up and spit out many times for his faith in Christ. I read an article by Dr. Michael Brown. He's one of my favorite Bible scholars. And the article talked about what I mentioned a moment ago, that the cost that ex-gays and ex-transgenders have to pay when they're getting saved and transformed. And there's a growing number. There's there's large growing communities of ex-homosexuals and ex-transgenders. And I read their stories all the time. And I always get tempted to share them. And I think, well, you know, Y'all are on the internet, find them, you know, they're out there. They're, they're good. Right. Uh, just, but, but he said in, in his article, he says that they are deemed dangerous and they're vilified by the left and the left is so afraid of them. And it's simply that they were living this gay transgender lifestyle, but they became convinced that God had a better plan. They realized they were not living according to his will. And they simply cried out for forgiveness and transformation because one thing became clear to them. God did not want them to live as gay or trans anymore. And now as they say, this is what the Lord has done for me. They, they just want to tell their story. This is what God, they're not throwing shade on anybody else. They're not trying to, you know, throw trash on someone else. They're just saying, this is what God has done for me. And they are being viciously attacked by LGBT community, trans communities. They're called liars. They are telling them, you know, and these are quotes, right? You know what you are inside. You know, you're just putting on an act. So the question is why this reaction to former gays and former trans people who have left that lifestyle and given their lives to Christ? Why? Why pass laws in state that state after state is falling that make it illegal for people who have unwanted sexual attractions or gender identity to get help? Notice we say unwanted, (laughs) right? Here's your answer. If there is such a thing as an ex-gay or an ex-trans, then the whole idea that you are born that way goes out the window. (laughs) 
Because you see, the devil wants to make you think you are. He wants to make you think you're hopeless. He, it's just, that's M.O. of Satan. He wants you to think that you are stuck, that you can't change, that you are who you are. And w- w- why leave it there? There are men who are serial adulterers. They're, and they're saying, I was just born that way. That's how my dad was. That's how my, that's how, come on, it's a lie from the devil. Jesus Christ's blood can break every chain, cleanse us from every sin. That is why, my friends, that we must be a people who will confront evil no matter what the odds no matter what public opinion is no matter what people think no matter how unpopular it is we have to let people know there is hope if you want hope there is hope if you don't want hope then keep living in your mess no one's going to stop you no one's going to stop you from doing that but if you want hope if you want freedom it's available today through jesus christ See, the devil wants to shut our mouths. Don't fall for that. Don't take that bait. Listen, there's a price to pay in standing for Jesus and confronting evil. Paul and Silas experienced it here. Christians, I I tell you, we can no longer compromise on on anything. I I, I look at, and I love movies. I love going to the theater, right? It's fun. But I got to be careful the movies I watch. You got to be careful the movie you show your kids. Just because it's on Disney doesn't mean it's okay. Kids movies. There's other entertainment choices that, that we, if we allow in our home or we pay money to support it at the theater and we sit back and we say, oh, it's no big deal. Everybody does it. It's where our culture is at today. Yeah, but I don't have to let that garbage into my home. I don't have to let it into my mind. I don't have to go along with it and say, oh, it's just how things are today. Come on, it's just a couple guys kissing. It's just a couple ladies kissing. No, no, no. Come on, we, we've just seen this thing slide the last 30, 40 years. Okay, oh, okay, okay. Well, you can't expect unsaved people. This is something you hear. You can't expect, un- Pastor, you can't expect unsaved people to act like saved people. Well, thank you for that observation. <laughs> actually I do expect that one day every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord so there is that but until then I do expect saved people to act like saved people come on somebody in this passage we see at least one thing very clearly great faith is going to have to be able to take a punch and I've waited all week to say that If you're going to have to, listen, some of the greatest boxers are not only great because of the punch they could deliver. Come on, they could take a punch. Like, well, I can't bring that guy down. <laughs> I gave him my, how disheartening. You give someone your best shot on the jaw and they just look at you and say, come on, come on. <laughs> I want to tell you at some point in your life, your faith will take a punch. And the ability you have to stand up to that punch. Because listen, devil ain't going to hold back on you. The enemy of your soul will not hold back. The question is, how deeply rooted is your faith that you can take a punch and pop right back up? 
I want to be like one of those dumb inflatable things that they had when they were kids. Like you can box them and it goes, boop, pops up, hit it, boom, boop. <laughs> Anybody have one of those? Come on, I'll give you $25 on eBay for it right now. Boom. <laughs> Everyone say, God, increase my faith. Come on, we can do better than that. God, increase my faith. So I can stand. Now say it all together. God, increase my faith so I can stand. Come on. Give the Lord a clap today. Come on. Okay, get your Bible out. Get your Bible out. Verse 23, after they had beaten them severely. Everyone say severely. I'm closing with this right here. Severely. I want to tell you, there's no secret about this, but when the Bible says that they were beaten severely, that's severely. And the Bible says the jailer was ordered to guard them securely. In other words, he was going to be not far away from them. They considered, you know, part of this you got to love, man. Like, God, help me be so dangerous to the devil that if they ever catch me, like you put every guard you have on this guy, right? He is so dangerous. It's like Wycliffe, right? He, he was so hated by, by the Catholic church and the Pope because he translated the Bible into English and he translated the Bible. So common people like us can read it. In, I mean, the Bible wasn't written in English. How many of you know that today? Right? Some of us think it came in. It did not. He translated the Bible in English and they wanted him dead. But because he got the word of God in people's hands, people began reading the Bible for their own, those that could, and said, hey, I'm seeing stuff in here and we ain't doing it in the church. Pardon my English. I'm seeing stuff in the Bible here and we're not, they're not talking about that from the pulpit. They finally caught Wycliffe. And executed him. Because he translated the Bible in English. Forty years, Brother Dylan, after he died. The Pope said, go dig him up. We're going to burn his bones. We hate him so much. Forty years later. True story. Go dig that man up. Bring me his bones. We hate him so much. He jacked everything up for us because of him. There were Luther's and there were John Husses and there was all these people that rose and they said, wait, the Bible says the just shall live by faith. And all of a sudden everything got cobbed up for organized religion. And they said, go dig that man's bones up. We're going to burn him again. And they did. And I've always said, God, may they burn my bones. May they hate me so much. May the devil hate me so much that when I'm finally gone and enjoying my eternal reward, they still want to dig me up and burn my bones. I consider that an honor. <laughs> so the jailer was ordered and commanded to guard them securely. So receiving such orders, he threw them in the inner cell. That would have been like the basement. They had their feet in stocks. The lower area of a, okay, a prison would have been nasty anyway. The lower prison would have been extra nasty. I don't know how you gauge nasty from extra nasty. But those standing pools of liquid down there in the lower level wouldn't have been fresh spring water. 
those horrific smells, not only little rats running around, things you don't want to touch. The smell, dank, get the picture, dark, blood oozing from their body. Their clothes ripped off of them. Maybe their eyes were swollen shut. I could see Silas. He got one side of his head hit and his eyes swollen shut. Paul got blood dry. It's all dried and caked now because it's been a couple hours since they were beaten. They got blood draining. And they're sitting there. And they're looking at each other. Paul leans over and says, Silas, we got them where we want them now. Come on. We got them. He's like, what's that song? What's that song we used to sing back in church when they commissioned us in Antioch? What was that song we sang? And Silas like, oh, yeah. God, you're so good. God, you're so good. God, you're so good. You're so good to me. I swallowed shut blood running everywhere. The God that sent them there, they were praising him. God, you're so good. And the Bible says all the other prisoners started to listen. You know God was at work. Everybody was listening to what they have to say. See, I just, just want to give you this third one real quick right now. Because you see, rarefied faith is going, you know, it's going to finish strong. You know, we're going to finish strong. Come on. Come on. The Lord set this up this morning, given someone to have given Lacey the vision of a track. We're all running this race. My friends, the question is, will we finish strong? We got to finish strong. We don't have any choice. I've seen too many other people cobbled up in life. I've seen too many people left turn, right turn. I've seen too many people quit. I don't want to be one of those people. I'd like to stand up here and guarantee that I, I can't even guarantee that, but I know one thing. I, I believe with all my heart, with everything I have right now, that I, I am going to finish strong. So here they are. This would be where many, I think, would have quit. I think many would have despaired right here. Many would have said, well, you know, I don't know. This is where the complaining would have started, right? This is what I get for serving God. This is what I get for being obedient. Not even close because Paul and Silas really, 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 really got saved and transformed. In fact, the second greatest miracle in the New Testament, number one, was Jesus rising from the dead. The second greatest miracle was the Apostle Paul getting saved. You know why as a miracle? He hated Christians. It was so bad. He was so perverted. He thought, it says, he thought he did God a favor when he was killing Christians. That's how twisted it was. You couldn't even bring scripture to him because he was a Pharisee. He knew scripture and he thought he was helping God. And for God to come down and transform him and now the people, they, remember when he got saved, they were, no one wanted to be around him. Like, oh, we know that guy. It took Ananias and a couple other people. So no, I actually got close enough to lay my hands on him. He was filled with the Holy Spirit and God, you know, he's, he's different. I trust me. Here's Paul. They'd really encountered Silas, really encountered Jesus. They weren't some gospel mercenaries, right? 
who would bail when ministry got tough. And they begin to sing. And they begin to pray. He answers prayer. God is so good. He's so good to me. Obviously, that song wasn't invented then. So I'm just kind of giving my song there that they were singing something. They're singing. All the other prisoners listening. And then the Bible says something incredible happens. A very, the Bible says a very violent earthquake hits the prison. One that caused all the doors to break open. And the jailer immediately. So, see when the jailer was commanded. Do not let these guys escape. So much so he was like 10 feet away from them. Okay. He, he knew if he messed this up. He was going to be executed. The doors pop open. The jailer assumes what everyone else would assume do. The door is open. They're going to go. But interesting enough, this is why I think God was affecting everybody in the prison that day. It's interesting the revival came to a prison first. <laughs> come on, America. We're waiting for some of the up and outers and all those. Come on. Maybe we got to start in the prisons. We got to start where we got to start down. Right. God wants to save the drug addicts. He wants to save the prisoners. He wants to save the people bound, right? He wants to save the people that everyone else has written off because he is the God of the least of these. He is the God that will start a revival amongst those that everyone else has written off in society. And people will look at them and say, who's that guy? I've never heard of him. Listen to him. Look at what God's done for him. And no one will know their story because God raised him out of something. Come on. Got a Lazarus generation coming up, I believe. God's raising people from absolute dead. So the jailer assumes he's dead. So he said, rather than go through that torment, I'm just going to off myself right here. I'm going to put the sword, fall on it. It's over. But Paul confirms what happened. He said, hey, don't hurt yourself. Everyone is still here. See, I wonder, I, I ever wondered why the other prisoners didn't run out? I believe why Paul were praying and singing. I believe other prisoners were saying, you know that guy? I got to have what he's got. The doors were open. They could have left, but they didn't. That's, that's, that's in the land of speculation. But one thing we know, they did not leave when they could have. Holy Spirit was working on those prisoners. And the jailer came into their cell Okay, here, now we're going back to full circle. My, my very first couple statements today. The jailer came into their cell. He knelt before them trembling. And he asked them what question? Sirs, what must I do to be saved? You see what Paul and Silas had to go through to get to that point. You see the price that they paid. You see the great faith that it took to get to that point to see those results. That's important. So it's pretty cool. The Bible says the jailer took them home. I don't know who watched the other prisoners. I don't know if they all said, hey, we're not leaving. I don't know what, I don't know what agreement they came to. But he took Paul and he cleaned their wounds. Paul, the Bible says, gave him the gospel. His, him and his whole family got saved. Right? Bible scholars believe that his family, this jailer, was the genesis of the church of Philippi that Paul later would have written a letter to. Right? Philippians. This is the guy. This was this could have been why that's a whole nother study. God sent them into harm's way to take a beating. So one family could be saved. Mm. Do we really know the Lord? 
<laughs> I love stuff that challenges me like that. So he cleaned them up. And then Paul said, I'm kind of shocked that they would treat Roman citizens like this. And he's like, what? Yeah, we're Roman citizens. So he sent word to the to the magistrate. They said, did you did you guys know you beat Romans? Because Roman colony, right? One thing you don't do in Roman colonies is hurt Roman citizens. Period. They freaked out because suddenly thought it's going to be our head. They're going to come and they're going to arrest us because we beat. Let's pray for Sister Marion right now. We're going to pray for you. Stretch your hand. Lord Jesus, we pray right now for healing in her body. In the name of Jesus, touch her, God. Touch her, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. And if you didn't need healing, be blessed. I love you. Amen. So here, the magistrates, the governor official find out that, oh, my goodness, they said, okay, you're free to go. Just go. And they, and then, that's why I love this. Paul and Silas said, well, no. I'm not going to leave that way. You made a public spectacle. You come here yourself. So the Bible says they came and they, okay, we made a big mistake. Let's keep this between us, okay? So they got an escort out of the city. And the last three words of this chapter I love. Jason, then they left. Then they left. They had done everything God asked them to do. And then they left. Great faith will stay until the job is done. It will finish strong. Stand to your feet with me. You've been so awesome today to hang in here with me. Lift your hands to the Lord. God, put that kind of great faith inside of me. Put that kind of great faith inside of me in Jesus' name. Put that great faith inside of me in Jesus' name. Oh, so la 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 Hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. Oh, in the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus, Lord, give me faith to finish strong for you. Come on, rarefied faith won't quit early. It don't get knocked off base by bad things happening. It's simply focused on finishing strong. Come on, let's just make that our cry right now. God, give me faith to finish strong no matter what happens. God, no matter what unplanned thing happens in my life. God, no matter what left turn or right turn lay ahead or I've already come through. God, I will finish strong for you in the name of Jesus Christ. If you believe that and that's your heart's cry right now, I want you to come to this all as fast as you can. God, give me faith to finish strong. Give me faith to sustain in the name of Jesus Christ, no matter what is thrown my way, no matter what is tossed my direction. God, fill me with great faith that will overcome in the name of Jesus, because faith is a victory that will overcome the world. 
Faith is the victory that will overcome the world. Jesus, right now, we just speak that. We speak your word right now. And we declare that faith is a victory that will overcome the world. In the name of Jesus Christ. Oh, so da 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 Come on, y'all. Today is just another springboard. Today forward, I'm going to have the greatest faith I've ever had in the name of Jesus. Just declare that over yourself. Today, today's my last day of weak faith. Today, I'm springboarding to greater faith in Jesus' name. I'm springboarding to greater faith in the name of Jesus Christ. In the name of Jesus Christ. God, like the Apostle Peter, I'm going to have great faith to tackle great things. I'm going to have faith to tackle what others don't do normally, what others don't, can't see. It's the things that just sound crazy, God. I'm going to have faith to do that. God, like David, I'm going to have faith to take on my Goliath. I'm going to have faith to bring down a giant. I'm going to have faith to get victory over something that's had me. Then God, like Paul and Silas, I will have faith to take a punch. God, I will have faith to sustain when things don't go the way I had hoped, when things don't go the way I had planned. God, when everything becomes unplanned, Lord Jesus, my faith is going to stay strong in you. My faith is going to stay strong in you. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Thanks for listening to the Sermon of the Week. This message and other resources are available at DestinyDayton.com.